down women with diluted dreams are home for joy has been washed down the stream. I'm Robin Hawkins, and you're listening to Watered Down Women. Hoping to be free, found a new home in the cemetery. Most of us have heard the term all-American, and when we hear it, our minds probably see someone or something that possesses American qualities or ideas. Characteristics such as honesty, industriousness, and wholesomeness probably resonate in our thoughts. If considering this phrase in regards to sports or athletics, a well-honored amateur sports figure might come to mind. Maybe someone from our high school or college days will stand out. When we examine the antithesis of All-American, we would probably describe someone who is the opposite of wholesome, someone who is actually cruel, corrupt, or immoral. In today's episode of Watered Down Women, we will expose someone who fancied himself as the All-American athlete, but was in fact a heinous monster. Although his name may not resonate with the likes of some of the world's most notable evildoers, like Adolf Hitler, Joseph Stalin, or Genghis Khan, his victims and their families might liken him to notorious sociopaths, such as Ted Bundy, John Wayne Gacy, or Richard Ramirez, who is better known as the Night Stalker. In Season 3 of Watered Down Women, we've dug deep into the life of Betty Dyer, a mother of six who disappeared while doing laundry on New Year's Eve Day in 1972. And in the process of analyzing Betty's case, we've uncovered several other victims who were terrorized and or abducted from other Mansfield area laundromats from that same time period. Lawrence Darrell Davis's House of Cards appeared to be crashing down when on Thursday, September 21, 1972, at 8.40 in the morning, he was brought in to the Mansfield City Police Station and advised that he was being held for taking girls from a local laundromat and raping them at gunpoint. Now, before we proceed with discussing the details of his arrest, let's pull back the curtains and take a look at the life of this 24-year-old alleged assailant. Lawrence Darrell Davis was born on August 9, 1948, in Stoddard, Mississippi, to Mary Nettles. I was unable to find any information as to the identity of Mr. Davis's father, but at some point, Mary Nettles, along with her 11 children, moved from Mississippi to Mansfield, Ohio, sometime 
before the year 1964. The 1966 edition of the Mansfield Senior High School yearbook, The Manhegan, featured a photo entitled 1965 Tigers in Review. Pictured among the high school football players is tackle Lawrence Davis. And in the class photo section of that same book, a smiling Lawrence Davis is pictured among the other classmen. Most likely, none of those classmates were aware of the fact that one year prior to the school's boasting of its year in review, while still enrolled as a student at John Sherman Junior High School, one of the athletes standing in the back row had been arrested for delinquency, assault, and shoplifting at the age of 15. That student, Lawrence Darrell Davis, received a sentence of one year's probation, which was subsequently dismissed, as were his later sentences, which stemmed from convictions of auto theft and assault and battery. One year after that photo was taken, he served a one-year sentence of probation because of his involvement in a fist fight. Okay, let's take a moment to run down Mr. Davis's arrest record for the crimes he committed from this point in his life until the fall of 1972. In January of 1967, he was charged with failure to stop at an assured clear distance and received a punishment of a one-year suspension of his driver's license. In September of that same year, he was charged with assault and battery, and his case was dismissed. On March 21, 1968, he was charged again with assault and battery, and again the case was dismissed. On April 2, 1968, Lawrence Davis was arrested for drunk and disorderly conduct and assault, and these charges were dismissed. Later that same month, he was sentenced to serve time in the county jail for disorderly conduct. In July of 1968, he was charged with assault and battery, paid a fine, and was released. In December of 68, he was charged with reckless operation of a motor vehicle and received a one-year suspension of his driver's license. In August of 69, he was arrested for assault and driving without a license, but no charges were filed. However, he was charged with giving false information and found not guilty. Later in 1969, he was arrested for abusing a minor child. Davis was found guilty of the crime and sentenced to serve one year in the Toledo workhouse. In January of 1971, Lawrence Davis was arrested for discharging firearms within city limits and malicious destruction, but those charges were later dismissed. So now we're back to the point in our story 
where Mr. Davis was taken into custody as the suspect in a laundromat shooting. And it seemed like it would actually be the beginning of the end for his life of crime. The very next day, Lawrence Davis was brought in to discuss his involvement in the rape and abduction of three Mansfield area women. But he was only charged with assault with a deadly weapon for firing a gun at the woman who was fleeing from his attempt to abduct her from the local laundromat. Davis was released on bond until his trial date, which was scheduled for March of 1973. Davis seemed to lay low for the next couple of months, but ironically, he fled the state of Ohio and headed to Louisiana during the late night hours of December 31, 1972, the same date that Betty Dyer had disappeared around 6 o'clock that very morning. Davis returned to Ohio three months later in time to report for his court date. He retracted his former plea of not guilty and entered a plea of guilty for aggravated assault and was sentenced to one to five years in prison and was paroled in 1976 after serving less than three years of his sentence. After his release, Davis moved to Louisiana and was arrested again in 1979, this time being charged with rape and homicide. For seven years, Betty Dyer's case faded from the forefront of the Mansfield Police Department until January of 1979, when the investigating officer from the laundromat rape and shooting incidents of 1972 received a call from a detective in Louisiana informing him that their suspect from that time, Lawrence Davis, had been arrested on charges of the rape and murder of a Louisiana woman, and they requested copies of the Mansfield records on Davis's arrests. Around the same time, a new trend was taking the field of investigating by storm, and that trend was psychic consultations. The Mansfield officer who had worked the rape cases in 1972, wanted to see if a California psychic could help solve the Dyer case. So he approached Betty's family members to ask them if they would fund his trip to California to meet with the renowned psychic named Catherine Ray. When her family refused to provide the funding, he arranged to meet with her during his vacation to Arizona that summer and billed the department for his expenses incurred during his 1,500-mile trip from Phoenix, Arizona to Cupertino, California. After weeks of tracking down clues based on this psychic's vibes and intuitions, no new leads were found to help solve the case of Betty's disappearance. Years passed by, and in November of 1991, nearly 20 years after her disappearance, one of Betty's daughters learned about the Louisiana conviction 
of a former Mansfield man who had raped and killed a Louisiana woman. The same man who was a suspect in a series of laundromat abductions. So the daughter sent a letter to the Mansfield Police Department asking if she could talk with a detective from the rape incidents during the summer of 1972 to determine if their suspect was ever questioned in her mom's disappearance. The request was sent to Detective John Winling, who took it upon himself to review those cases and was surprised to learn that not only was Davis never questioned about the Dyer case, he was never prosecuted for the rapes of the other three women. With all those stakeouts, arrests, questionings, and lineups involving Lawrence Darrell Davis and laundromat abductions during the summer and fall of 1972, how in the world did his name not come up as a suspect just three months later when a woman disappeared with the exact same M.O. as the other four victims. With that, Windling contacted the Ascension Parish County Sheriff's Department and arranged to visit Davis in prison and question him about Betty Dyer. When Windling entered the holding room, Davis said, I've been waiting for you to come for several years. What took you so long? By the end of their meeting, Davis entered into a pre-indictment agreement of manslaughter. He wrote a letter of apology to the Dyer family and agreed to reveal the location of Betty's body. But when he arrived back in Mansfield to enter his plea agreement, Lawrence Davis began stalling and making demands. He requested a private meeting with his family members whom he hadn't seen in nearly 15 years, and his request was granted. He then asked to spend some time alone with his daughter and was allowed to do so. When all was said and done, Lawrence Darrell Davis, who had agreed to give up the location of Betty's remains and to plead guilty to manslaughter, reneged on the deal and pleaded no contest to manslaughter, stating that Betty might have still been alive when he dumped her body and he blamed the entire incident on an unnamed friend. In that Davis was already sentenced to two consecutive terms, totaling 60 years, for his Louisiana charges of rape and homicide. The sentence of one to 20 years that he received for Betty's death was set to run concurrent to the previous sentences, meaning essentially that he would not serve a single day for Betty's murder. Lawrence Davis was released from prison in 2012 and died on November 4th of the following year in a Mansfield hospital. Betty Dyer, on the other hand, didn't have the luxury of such clarity for her headstone. She was last seen on New Year's Eve Day in 1972, officially declared dead over a decade later on July 12th of 1982. And today, 
nearly 50 years after she vanished. There lies a grave with an empty casket that will never hold the missing body of a mother of six, a woman who lost two husbands to death, a daughter who was mourned by her parents, a sister who was missed by her siblings, and a woman who had turned her life around only to turn and look into the face of a killer. Watered down women with diluted dreams are home for joy has been washed down the stream. Grab a shovel and join me each Monday as we dig a little deeper and uncover the tragedies of watered down women. Searching for love, no pain in this world, with no help from above.